previously on Mr. Homemaker. Once you once you choose a person, once you're married, you just say, I have to, whatever my expectations are, I have to at least be willing to set them aside or compromise on them or let them be replaced or for us to come up with some new tradition because we need to make these decisions as a couple. All right, so I'm just gonna j- dive right into the deep end, our perennial discussion point. What to tell your kids about Santa? <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, so I think there are basically three options. One option is like I think like the typical, the typical. I don't even know who that is typical of like what the scope of that is. But like like the common thing is you tell your kids there's a Santa, and at some point they figure out there isn't one, mm-hmm. and how people navigate that transition like varies widely. But a lot of people, it seems to me, that most people start off with a like, well, of course we're going to tell our kids that Santa is real, and he comes down the chimney and. Insert yeah. a series of things here. Yeah. You don't want your kid to be the jerk at school that's like, hey, everybody, my mom says Santa isn't real. Like, <laughs> I don't think that's the real reason. I think like... No, the, it's the, the magic the, and the wonder right, the and the beauty the magic and the Christmas. wonder and the beauty. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so as you can tell, Kristen is in favor of Santa. <laughs> Look, there are very few things in life that are so magical and pure and beautiful for your children than this belief in Santa. Yeah. I'm putting my finger on the scale right now. Yeah, yeah. Like it is, and that those things are few and far between. And so I think like allowing that for your children is, you know, it's just, it's something that it is a very unique thing in life. um, And I think it is a wonderful thing for them to, to believe in. And then, so that's like sort of one end of the, the possible spectrum, one choice right. one could make. The, the opposite the right end. end. <laughs> the, op- the opposite end of the spectrum is. We call this the Scrooge end of the spectrum. Is I want my children to know that I'm not going to be dishonest with them. Like I don't want them to ever feel like I tricked them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, my priority is on, I want to be honest with my kids. Right. And I don't want them to resent me duping them. Mm-hmm. In any way, and so like out of an abundance of caution in that area, some people I think shy away from shy away from telling their kids that Santa is real because they don't want their kids to like be like right. you, you've been lying to me all this time. Right. Um, so yeah, creating magic for children or giving them a sense of like security in your trustworthiness, I think are the two motivating factors on the two ends of the spectrum. Right. There is an interesting middle ground that I hadn't previously just like heard, but mm-hmm. I recently heard on a. On a podcast I listened to with Jimmy Aiken. Um, I'll link to it in the show notes below. And he said that the sort of a, a middle ground is doing all the Santa things, mm-hmm. but doing it not as a like continually setting aside your child's um, like doubts or like skepticism, mm-hmm. right? But ra- and being like, no, 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 like let me come up with a more elaborate reason that it is true right. to like overcome your like figuring out that that doesn't make sense kind of right. thing. But he's saying, like, there's no need to do that in order to create the magic. You can create the magic by it being a, like, this is a make-believe thing we play. Like, this is like, a, you play games with your kids where you, like, make-believe. You, like, play characters. You play dress-up. You, like, yeah. and, like, you say, like, this is, like, it's a fun game. It's a fun make-believe game. Yeah. But I'm not trying to actually, like, convince you to believe in a thing that over your objections that it can't be real. Yeah. So, so... Just one, th- a third option that I had recently discovered. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Cause, like, cause he was trying, to sort of being like, that's too Scroogey. Right. Which was actually the position taken by another uh, person on the same podcast network, yeah. Trent Horn. 
who was saying like, like my kid, I don't hide the concept of Santa for my kids, but they think about Santa the way they think about the Hulk. Like they know, or like Mickey Mouse, like they know this is a fictional character. I see him on billboards. I don't think that that is a real person. Right. And Jimmy Akin's like, that's too, I mean, I'm putting words so in his mouth. He's like, that's like, too much of a Scrooge position. You take the position of like, no, we're going to pretend that this is all real. But like, we're pretending this is for fun. So like, if you go to Disney World, are you telling your kids like, there's a man inside the Mickey Mouse costume? There isn't. Mickey Mouse's are nothing. <laughs> I, I worked there and I can tell you. I'm going to need to put a big sure. like warning, like parental discretion Do on the thumbnail for this video. Do not listen to this children <laughs> in the car. Um, but I... So I, I will say that this particular issue was yeah. one of those things that was not just an expectation for me, but this was like a huge blind spot. Yeah. When yeah. we had this conversation and I was like, I felt like betrayed of like, you think we should consider telling our children all under the age of seven yeah. that Santa is not real because well, not, we're... I wasn't pro- saying we should proactively tell them that he's not real. I right. was saying if they point out like oh that doesn't make sense or that can't be like yeah you're right you got you got us not real so i will (laughs) say that i think on the clues jimmy aiken's point is is well taken of like having to double down and just continue into this thing (laughs) last year our town is like overly christmased and so I think there were <laughs> right. five every, Santas every two blocks within there was a, Santa. <laughs> right. And so we were walking down the street, and my True daughter, story. six yeah. years old, was like, "That Santa looked different than the Santa downtown that we just took a picture with." And then she was like, "He sounds different. That doesn't sound like Santa." And I was like, and "So we just got deep in the lie hole of like." Especially when you're when I'm not around, I feel like you like quick like. You'll, the first thing that comes to yeah. mind, which might not be the most plausible or simplest lie. Right. It could be super I'm a elaborate. terrible liar. <laughs> yeah. And so I just like, I just go with it. And then I've got to catalog what I said and but tell see, you. Right, but see, in Jimmy, in Jimmy Aiken's scenario, you don't have to worry about that. Right. Because you just like, you just say like, hey, you know, we're just having fun. Right. Don't think too hard about it. It's just a game. I don't like that either. In my mind, this is when you're like, you're locking it in because what the things you start to do with your kids will become, those things are expected year after year. And so I think one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got was like when our first born was first born and my boss at the time said to me, he had been, he was late to work that day. He said that his wife had started a tradition where when it's the girl's birthday, she decorates the their door like in like some it's a, crazy, like it's a sorority exciting. House. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, yes. Um, <laughs> on on uh, bid day, so yeah, they would decorate the door, and so he was late because they were like doing all of that. And I said, "Oh, well, how like how old is your daughter?" He's like, "She's nineteen. She's nineteen years old." If I can give you one piece of advice. Don't ever start a tradition that you're not willing to do for the next 18 to 22 years of your life. And so I thought that was, you know, it's a little tongue in cheek, but it's also really funny, right? Because like, so one of the things we do, which was not something my family did, but we like, I decorate the kitchen in the morning yeah, for the birthday. You get that idea? I don't know. I probably, my best friend, Allison, who's like the cutest oh, yeah. and does all these beautiful things. Does, yeah, it's also that. Instagram, right? Like I'm yeah. an Instagram victim, but <laughs> I am, but like, so I d- decorate it and like have some balloons and like have special things out for their birthday in the morning to kind of celebrate because we don't do presents until later in the day and cake yeah. and everything. But I want them to know, like, I acknowledge it's your birthday. It's exciting. So, um, but like now that is every year, like it is expected that we do that. Right. So, and we're, so... Sta- we're staying up late the night before getting up early to se- decorate the kitchen. Yeah. So for what it's worth, I did do a little research in our book. 
yardsticks, child and adolescent development from four to 14. Sounds so exciting. By Chip Wood from the Center of, or the Center for Responsive Schools. Mm. So in this book, I was trying to look for like all the things that could tie into Santa in particular. Mm. And you might be interested, interested to know that being eight years old, that is the age at which you have the maximum possible joy that you derive from positive surprises. But it's also the point at which you begin to accelerate your, like, logical problem solving. Just a year away. So, yeah. So, there might be, like, an off-ramp that has to happen at or about eight years old of, like, maybe it's a matter of shifting gears from, you know, maybe the solution here is five and under, full-blown, like, Santa is real. Five to eight is, like, hey, this is, like, a fun thing. And then, like, once your kid's, like, nine or ten, you got to be, like, you got to get this out of your idea out of your head. You're going to start to be, like, picked on at school for being the 10-year-old who's, like, <laughs> trying to con- explain to everybody this elaborate lie your mother told to you about that, that makes sense of all of the Santa Clauses in town. Now they're all, like, <laughs> Santa has a bunch of brothers from different mothers who all are Santa Claus. I'm not ready for that. I, for well, that no, that's like, that's, like, three years from now. Okay. So I'm saying it could be an all-of-the-above approach. It's just right. it's a time-phased thing right. based on developmental milestones. This is like one of those things like tied so close to my heart that I just can't. I'm like, this is the way we do it. You're like, you're like, until three years ago, I still thought Santa was real. I still think he might be. What I'm trying to do is like fit in all of the special experiences while they still believe. So like last year we did one Polar Express. This year we're going to do a different Polar Express. And next year maybe this year, we're going to go to Santa's village. Those are the three things that like happen around here. And then, oh, and we're going to like a, um, it's a, it's not the Nutcracker, but it's like a, a holiday play. Yeah. Um, because it's like right here in town. But for instance, like I also want to go to the Nutcracker and I watch some of my friends take their young girls and they get dressed up. But what I've recognized is like, I think that our girls will, like that's something they would like when they're a little older, when maybe Polar Express isn't as cool or maybe when Santa's Village isn't as cool. So what I try to do is sequence based on their age of like, what's the thing that's going to resonate with them the most hmm. versus, but, but then there are other people, right? Like my girlfriend takes her daughter to Nutcracker every year and that's their tradition. Hmm. So I think it's like part Part of it is we're new to this area, so we don't have as pre-established, like, oh, my mom took me to this thing every year. Um, and so just trying to figure out, like, what's special and when it's going to be meaningful. Yeah. All right. So is that your top tip? Right? Or do you want, I mean, that's when you ended on, but do you want that to be your number one tip for establishing traditions with your children as a young couple? So, yeah, my top t- top two tips. Okay. One is, yes, just recognize, right? Like, if you're going to be an Elf on the Shelf family, that's a real commitment. Yeah. Just spoiler alert, we are not Elf on the Shelf family. <laughs> it's just too much. I am not I am not that creative. I am never on time with things. Like, yeah. it would be yeah. panic every day, every for... day for 25 days or however long it lasts. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think But I think the flip side is, like, traditions are really beautiful. And when you're when, – when your children look back and their friends say like what was like what was christmas like in your house or what was easter like like yeah. these are the things that they will carry on to their children so like take the time to 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 do those things and to make yeah. it meaningful for them because like that's also a beautiful memory of you know the things that they will remember like one thing i is amazing to me that still sticks with our 
seven-year-old was, I think two years ago, she got sick on Halloween. And it was supposed to be everybody went trick-or-treating and she was so disappointed. So you and I had candy that we were going to give out to the oh, kids. Yeah, yeah. And we like stood, we basically put on different hats and we would stand behind, behind different, different doors, doors yeah. in the house and she would knock and trick or treat and we'd have like a new thing. Yeah, did they, have she, COVID? they were like COVID I think positive. They had COVID. Yeah, and like, yeah. <laughs> so they, it was like one of those things that like was just so silly, but like they remember that and they bring yeah. it up even now. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. like, it's just like those things are magic and don't like, don't stress too much. Pick a few things that are really meaningful to you and, and go with it. Yeah. And my tip, even though this is not, we're not, we're not a hundred percent on the same page about this, right. uh, but I would in- encourage couples to think critically about different developmental milestones that their kids are going to be in and like which traditions are going to matter to you and your children at different times. Cause it's not going to be always the same. And like, you don't need to have like some things in place. Your three-year-old is not going to appreciate that you did that. Mm-hmm. But when they're seven or 10, they might. Right. And vice versa. Like some things that your 10-year-olds be like, I'm too old for this now. Right. So I think that there is like, which we haven't fully fleshed this out, but I'm sure we'll have more opportunities to discuss it. But I think there's opportunities to say, given the age of our children, here is like the experience that we're trying to create around this holiday. Right. Can I have one more bonus tip? <laughs> so we don't do this, but I've heard a lot of people really like this. Actually, a friend of mine told me for the first time that um, what that because holidays can also start to get overwhelming, right? Like yeah. St. Patrick's Day and Columbus Day and Labor Day and Veterans Day. And like, like, what are the things that matter to you and the things you want to celebrate? And so what she told, it was on St. Patrick's Day and everybody, like everything's turned into, like everything's big, right? Like now we have to catch a leprechaun and oh leave a leprechaun trail. Yeah. And, and so like that started to seep, in, seep into our life. Yeah. And she told her daughter... We didn't check that box. And I said, what does that mean? She said, well, we told our daughter that when you and your husband get married, you get a list and you check the box of the things that your family participates in. And then there are other things that you don't, you, you, you can only check so many. So we don't check the leprechaun box, but we do check the Cinco de Mayo box because they happen to be Spanish. Like, so. That's really interesting. This is the first time hearing it. That's really interesting. So, I mean, uh, Maybe there's a little lie in there, but it is also like a way. <laughs> well, no, that's actually not a lie. I mean, it's like sort of an artificial right. representation of like, we've made some priorities around what we're going to spend our time on. And like, right. we can't do all of the things. I think that's fair to acknowledge. There's a lot of things out there and we're not going to do it well. Right. Or like, why? Yeah. So Christmas versus Hanukkah or whatever that well, may be. Well, and again, like Elf on the Shelf. Like at some right. point we're going to have to, and we should come up with a lie in advance so that you don't come <laughs> up with a bad one. But like. We have to explain to our kid, like, yeah, I know that your your friends are telling you that, like, if you don't have an elf in your house, then, like, Santa isn't paying attention. Like, no, that's like, that's not, they're, they're mistaken. Like, they do it. Like, here's how right. you can resolve the story that they're telling you on the bus versus right. what we're doing at home. And I think that's probably, like, that's a really important piece to end on, right, is figuring out how you navigate these things and pre-planning how you want to communicate that with your kids in a way that doesn't disrespect the way other families do things. Or anticipates that other kids might not, like, be nuanced. Right. Other kids might be, like, throw in, throw in uh, right. you know, be bulls in the china shop about, like, what right. you're telling your kid. But doing, yeah. you, I think, it's yeah. our responsibility, yeah. right, to, to let our children know to be cognizant of others and that... There are different fa- different families do things different ways, yeah. and that there's not because that's like the last thing I want is for our children to be like, well, like Elf on the Shelf isn't real. Like, well, for some families, they want them to feel that yeah, way, yeah, and yeah, you've right, gotta right, right. you know be respectful of that. So, yeah. um, 
I've got lots of tips on. Yeah, we, we're gonna have to. We're gonna. I can feel it. We're gonna have a lot of follow-on videos on this topic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you think, as a parent, has been the biggest surprise in terms of like the level of effort involved with? Is it hiding gifts, wrapping gifts, choosing gifts? I don't think. I don't think choosing is the hard part. I think it's um, you do most of it. So as for me, it's really easy. But there's also like. <laughs> There's like writing Santa's note. So that became an elaborate thing of like yeah. who writes it and then what script does Santa write? Right. So there's a lot of detail that goes into creating this illusion of Santa. There is. And a lot of things you have to like prep for and keep the same because yeah, yeah like what is, how does Santa sign his name in but what I wanna, font? But I want to, but I want to know for you as a mom. Yeah. Going from like, oh, I, this is a childhood memory and now I want to create this memory for my kids. Yeah. What did you find to be like the, oh wait, this is like really involved i think it's the it's that that evening prep right like so i mean buying the presents is stressful because you're like the equality of things like everybody there's always one last present which is like a big thing like one year it was a keyboard one year it was a wii one year it was um for you not for our kids right and yeah. so there and then we transitioned that as like we got older to like there was a family game because we love game nights so there'd be like one new family game it was ever like the cool game that year that came out and so but i feel like i struggle with like the like our seven-year-old desperately wants a t-mobile watch this year so I think one navigating the like yeah. creating the magic like last year I will confess I bought a um it was a pets alive like guinea pig and the guinea pig has baby guinea pigs and like that thing was more expensive I mean I think it was like 60 or 70 dollars but that's like a lot for a toy and no. so and they shared it I mean, well and at first they both wanted one and I was like mm, hell no we're not getting two yeah. things but it was like I like you're like oh but like it's the magic of what they want and actually that brings up something else one strategy that I'm employing this year that I didn't do last year was last year we went to the Polar Express for the first time and on the Polar Express the kids get to write a letter to Santa and give it to Santa or Mrs. Claus about what they want yeah we did that very late in the season and suddenly the things they asked Santa for were not any of the things that they asked me for. So I'm scrambling to get Amazon to deliver. And of course, their presents that no one has. That guinea pig thing went for 125 bucks at one point, And I said no. But so I think it's like that. So this year we are the first week in December. We're doing Polar Express and we're like and that letter is out and we're done. But again, then there's also one in town and we go see Santa there. So it orchestrating all of that and then like the debate of what am I going to do that's going to be like the wow thing for them and they're gonna be like oh my gosh like Santa brought me this thing I want versus like it's just this is not reasonable or it's not something that we really want for our kids so I think that's like for me the stressful part and then it's like the last night because I never wrap everything in advance I'm always wrapping in the final hours but the other thing that is like I have a hard principle on is the expensive gift gets given by mom and dad and yeah. not by Santa because I have very strong feelings. I've seen about an increasing number of people online endorsing that strategy. Right. Because so that, the inequity of yeah. kids who cannot afford, whose parents can't afford that. Well, why did Santa bring that your kid a laptop and my kid can't have that? And so that really is like, if we're going to do something that seems extravagant or big, which we haven't yet because our kids are still little. Um, but like Santa's not bringing you an iPhone. Like it's just, yeah. and I don't, I still haven't figured out when the kids start to ask, like, well, why did Santa bring so-and-so this? You know, if that comes up, I, I really don't know how we're going to address it, but I just feel like I need to do my part to be fair 
you know, to, to other kids. We're going to summarize our most important high-level advice for any young couple. The first and most important thing is that you begin the holiday season with a teamwork mentality. We're on the same team. We know that the holidays are going to be demanding, mm-hmm. and we're going to approach them together, helping each other out. You winning is me winning. Yeah. I think part of that is setting those expectations out loud, being clear as to, you know, what it is that you need, Um, putting time aside to check in with one another to kind of see how, like, how things are going, are there concerns, you know, how do we navigate these things together? Um, And just making sure that you're being flexible in your, the expectations that you're coming in with and the need to potentially change as you go through and recognize like, hey, this Let's revisit this. This doesn't feel like it's working. How can we make this something that's positive for us as a family? Right. And throughout the season, but honestly, I would say, almost say before you get into the thick of it, but it, at maybe before and after every major holiday is setting aside some time to like fill your buckets together. If you don't have kids yet, filling buckets is a big metaphor that's used a lot in elementary schools, but like... And you, then Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. So oh, we haven't go. gotten to that book yet. Um... <laughs> Yeah, but you need to sort of recharge your emotional battery, mm-hmm. both as an individual, but also like making uh, another metaphor that's used a lot is like your emotional bank account. Mm-hmm. You, like, you have to make deposits of like building um, like warmth and happiness together as a couple, because when those challenges come and you're making withdrawals on the, that like account of like good feelings, mm-hmm. right? And there's tension or stresses, like you want to have... A, a lot a, res, a lot in the reserve that you can right. draw upon so taking the time to do that between you know in anticipation of those like major holidays especially if there's travel and there's gift giving and there's budgets and all those things to to manage yeah i think starting that from a place of feeling full versus feeling stressed is going to be very put you in a de- very different position um because there will inevitably be stresses throughout the holidays and so making sure that you're doing your best to really help your partner but that extends also to communicating and coordinating with people outside of your family unit so i think there's a lot of a lot of times it can feel difficult especially when you have your own parents and your own family dynamics to remember to be a team towards them as well. And so, you know, one thing we talked about was making sure that when you are expressing like, Hey, we're not going to come do this, or we're going to change the way, you know, we, we will only be there for dessert, you know, don't making it, don't make it a, well, my husband, you know, well, Marcus said that he doesn't want to, like, he really can't be with the family the whole day. So we're just coming for dessert, right? right? The right way to do it, is to talk about things as we, right? We, right. you know, we've decided that it's a bit too much for us to go to all of the houses for dinner. So we're going to do dinner at this house and then we'll do dessert right. at your house. Not using your spouse as a scapegoat. Yeah. And then on the, on the other side of it, like once you're actually in the process of visiting with family, whether you're the, you know, the host mm-hmm. or the guest, like having the best possible mindset of, you know, we always talk about like assuming positive intent, but also like trying to make it a pleasant experience for the guest, the person who's out of their elements, you know, mm-hmm. being uh, extra thoughtful and accommodating of them. While as the guest, you can be like more flexible and more like less judgmental and more like go with the flow because it's not your environment. And like, you don't know what to expect and you have to kind of go, you know, go with it. Right. Well, that's interesting too, because so thinking through how you, can incorporate your like if so if you are coming to my family's for Thanksgiving 
like one thing is so like what is there a dish that you really like that either I can learn the recipe from your mm. mom or maybe you come to bring that That's a or great question. right like are there <laughs> things that we can incorporate into our holiday that make you feel at home too yeah so what is a what is a food that like what's your favorite food that my mom like that comes from my thanksgiving and what is I would need is, you like to remind me of what there is I need like a menu oh, that is <laughs> messed up What's the green bean thing? We don't do the green beans, so that's I don't know the where you have that. <laughs> no, that's the thing. Like you were saying, like something. Oh, like the green bean casserole with the onions on it. Yeah. Super. I just went shopping today and I didn't get that. <laughs> I guess I'll be going back. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. Yeah. That was like a my mom's like my aunt and uncle just did that and yeah. just never got into it, but I can do that. What's your favorite dish on Thanksgiving? Stuffing. My mom's my nana's yeah. stuffing yeah, recipe. Yeah. But I also love mashed potatoes with lots of butter. Mm. But they got to be like smooth, no lumps in the mashed potatoes. Oh, see, I like lumps. I know. Like chunky it's, peanut butter. Ugh, it's like not. <laughs> and I love, um, I mean, I love it all. I love all of Thanksgiving food. I love the rolls, those like, then you got to have the little like green olives, black olives, little, little, little tiny gross, pickles. gross pickles, but they got to be there in a dish separated by I three. I will be eating them. Um, yeah. I gotta go get those too. And <laughs> it's really just turning into a grocery list. Making from your out. family, I like the um, the sweet potato with the the sh- like candied nuts on it that your brother makes. Uh. That, that that's like legit. It's just totally <laughs> bad for you, but I really like it. <laughs> Very good. Um, or vice versa. Like if you are the person coming from the outside, not having specific expectations. So for instance, maybe you are coming into a family that eats dinner and then waits a significant amount of time before they eat dessert at Thanksgiving, (laughs) which is fine. It's just, when it's not communicated, it can be very confusing when everybody's talking about what will be for dessert and then they clear the plates and then they all leave the room. (laughs) And you're like, wait, did we just all agree that we were going to have dessert? You need time to digest. <laughs> I didn't or get that memo. you're at a house where yeah. suddenly everything's taken away and then you're eating dessert and you're like, what? I like literally just ate three plates worth of turkey and mashed potatoes. Just save space. All right. And then finally, managing expectations. And particularly, I think this comes into play when you have responsibilities to fulfill mm-hmm. is that you need to communicate with the other person your expectations of what you need from them to fulfill these these responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're the person who is the lead for preparing a meal, then you can't assume that the other person has any concept of what how they can be helpful. Right. If you have expectations about how they're going to help, it's your responsibility to communicate those expectations clearly so that they can meet those expectations. So, for example, if you're cooking a full Thanksgiving meal, it might be helpful to say to your husband, hey, I know you're super excited to watch the football game today, and I really want to support that, but I also really need you to keep an eye on the children because they're little, and I can't watch them while I'm cooking a full meal for your family. (laughs) Well, and this is a great opportunity to talk about when you're having those kinds of conversations in order for them to not become uh, divisive or cause mm-hmm. friction is stating things in a positive way and, you know, using like I statements, but also like, hey, I know we both want to create like this environment or we want to like right. achieve this thing. We want to, you know, um, implement these traditions. So describing in a positive terms, like the things that we're trying to work together to achieve and how the other person can help you achieve them rather than falling into the trap of like, you know, getting frustrated and being critical and lashing out and like, you're not doing this or like, Mm -hmm. there's something wrong with you that, you know, like, but it's easy to fall into those traps when you're under the increased stresses of the holiday season. 
And I think the final thing is making sure as you come together, you are bringing your families together in certain ways, or at least they are being impacted by the decisions you make. So making sure that you are having these conversations early and that you're communicating those to your family clearly and effectively early in the process so that they can plan around those things. The last thing you want to do is like surprise your in-laws by either showing up or telling them a week before, no, we have these other plans. So making sure that you're being clear about what what it's going to look like and how you're going to be engaged in that holiday, I think is uh, really important. All right. So thank you for joining us. Happy holidays.